It's the Craggy Rugby Podcast. It's a podcast I didn't think I'd be doing this early after our end of season podcast last week, but we've got a United Rugby Championship to talk about. And on the call today, we've got Niall Packishiel. How are you doing? And William Davis. Good afternoon, lads. We also have to talk about uh, the Connacht lads who've actually get into the Ireland squad, and, and uh, we'll talk about the under-20 squad as well. But it's all about the Irk, isn't it, William? Yeah, the Irk rather caught me by surprise this morning. <laughs> I was uh, not expecting uh, that to land on my uh, phone at whatever time it did. Um, we knew it was coming. Um, a bit of notice for media might have been handy. Um but yeah, it's here. We now have a plan for, in theory, the next five seasons. This apparently is what they what they're intending to have. Sixteen team tournament. We knew that. Uh, they've gone for this regionalized pool system with a single table. Every game you play will count on an over the season table from 1 to 16. But you've got regionalised groupings. You've got four Irish in one group. You've got four Welsh, four South African, and you've got a split one that is two Italian and two Scottish. The top eight in the overall table, when it finishes after 16 games, will go into four quarterfinals, two semifinals, and a grand final. Um, And the top four will be home gate will get home games and the top two if they qualify will get home semi-finals so that's all very simple where it gets a little bit more complicated is how the european qualification is going to work for the champions cup and this is what i think is getting most of the attention top of your regionalized pool or group will go into the champions cup so therefore one irish one welsh one South African and one of either a Scottish or Italian team are guaranteed a place in the Champions Cup for the following season. And then the next four unqualified highest place teams. Basically what it means is it's going to be a hell of a lot more complicated and difficult for Connacht to get into the Champions Cup. That's our perspective. Other teams are going to say, well, it's the same for us, but we're not here to discuss that. It really does look, it's closed off that, that route. So, Packy, really what we're talking about is we've got a Pro 16 with an Interpro Championship in the middle of it. And Interpro Championships for the side, for the others as well. But from our perspective, it's an Interpro Championship, which we, in all the years, have never, ever won an Interpro on its own by itself. We did, I think we, we got joint top three times um, and we've even the year we won the championship, we lost twice to Ulster, for instance. It's going to be a huge challenge for Connacht to qualify for the Champions Cup from now on, which could have huge impacts further down the line. But maybe it's a challenge we could grasp. Oh, yeah. Um, we were, uh, we were when we were talking earlier, we said the other part of it is you may actually end up winning the uh Ultimate Rugby Championship. What is it? United, yeah. <laughs> United Rugby, rugby Championship. Ultimate Rugby. That's it. It's definitely <laughs> the Ultimate Rugby. Yeah. I, I I think you can win it and not actually qualify for Europe as well. In theory, unlikely to happen, but possible nonetheless. Anyway, anyway. Um. Yeah. It's going to get really, really difficult. Like you said. Um. 
last season was uh, very unusual in the case of we won uh, three away interpros. Um but it's but it's even going to be doubly difficult now because there will be no um, games on during uh, a test window. That would make it doubly more difficult. Um, I don't know what to say. Something, something. Just as you mentioned, the test window. Something which nobody's talked about, and maybe it's a chance for you to talk about now because you brought it up earlier on today. Is there a need for centralised Irish contracts now? Because they won't be played. <laughs> they won't, there's never going to be an overlap of provincial games against against Irish games. Exactly. I mean, if Ireland continue to do this, well, then there will be just uh, the strong will get stronger. So I think they should um, just divvy up that senior men's uh, player budget um, between the four provinces equally. Uh, that will still leave uh, Leinster and Ulster, uh, well, Leinster especially, because they have more access to more funding. They'll still be... Um, have more funding for that um, and the rest of us will have to do the best we can but that's I don't see any reason for central contracts now I know we have one but you know there's no point in one province having four or five or six and the you know the other two or three being divided up between the between them problem so, is though if uh, yep. if, you, if you get rid of central contracts your best players are going to be poached out of this league and disappear off somewhere and the whole point, the the difficulty with that is, it's a difficulty for Ireland because you don't have them under control. It's also a difficulty if you're trying to sell to people, this is the league where you get to see the best Irish players. Because that's the whole point of these non-international weekends. Yeah, uh, but, but I, I, the provinces I know, I, can surely pay, pay for them. Yeah, like the, 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 IRFU, the provinces are still part of the IRFU. Like they're they're not centrally contracted, but they're still like because uh, if you if you go back and listen to what what um, David Newsafor talked about uh, a couple of weeks back, he talked about the fact the likes of James Cronin and the likes of Quinn Rue are not being paid out of Irish money anymore. They 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 they've, they've moved on, but they were they were Irish contracted players, even though they weren't centrally contracted. Because in effect, okay, they're not centrally contracted, but they're a few, but they're still contracted by the IRFU, but through the through the provinces. So they are still, you still have control of them. Yeah, but you're not, the, the provinces have to find a way to pay for them out of their player budget. You, you can you can increase the budget, but if your best players are still, are still potentially going to be tempted away because the Irish budget is still not going to be enough to compete with the top French teams and the top English teams. But Some then it comes down to. Be... But then it doesn't come down. It's not always about money. There's always, you know, the longevity. There's the not being flogged. There's playing quality games every week. It's you know, if you're playing in in France, you don't get to fly to South Africa once a year. Then follow that up the following week by going to Newport. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a big challenge. And the big question for Ireland is going forward: Can they keep control of all of their players? And I suspect the answer is they can't. But there, this is a sea change. This is a start now of a big change. There's going to be big changes as well, and we'll talk about it later on in how you're going to watch this competition. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and you know, just before we talk about how we're going to watch the competition, we're looking at the dates were also given to us about, you know, when the competition is, is going to be played. But you're talking about there's some huge gaps because there's definitely no overlap between... Um, Pro 40, Pro 14, see, I've already called it between the United Rugby Championship games and the international games. So you're going to have some huge gaps 
um, in the season where there's going to be no rugby at provincial level. Massive, massive gaps, and it's going to be a big challenge for. Uh, you want continuity as a fan, and you want to be going along on a regular basis. Well, to start with, you're only going to have nine home games to go to in this competition. We forget about Europe for a minute. Uh, you know, we don't quite sure what's happening in Europe. So you're losing maybe one or two games, depending on how the season spread out. But it's the length of the season. You could play on the around about September the 24th, you could play a home game. And you could play your final home game sometime around about the 26th or 27th of May. And in, the, in that huge space, you've only had nine of these... Um, United Rugby Championship. <laughs> I've got <laughs> ultimate on my brain now. Um, so, th- so that's that's a big challenge for the marketing people. It's a huge spread. And there is weeks when there are no games. And the assumption was, and what they tell us is, we've we've tested the market and people don't want to go and watch their teams when the internationals aren't there. And I would go, fine, have you been to the sports ground when there's 7,000 people in at Christmas and Munster have turned up with a second team and Connacht are missing a few guys as well because they've been at Irish camp or their minutes or whatever. Those fans didn't seem to notice. So I actually think it's more television is saying, we want to see these players because they're our draw. That's how they're going to sell it to the international market, isn't it? As in the international rugby community, maybe people in the UK, um, wherever else that might want to watch rugby. Okay, is it a case of less is more? So you're going to have you're going to have the home games are going to become much bigger events because there's there's going to be less of them because it looks like um, we don't know yet, but it does look like there's going to be only two pool games, home pool games in Europe from now on, rather than three. Mm. So you've you know. We're we're down there as well. We're not going to get that as well. So it means that when you get a chance to get to a home game, you have to you have to go because it's not a case of oh I'll miss this week because it's one in two weeks time. It's I'm going to miss this week. Christ, if I miss this week, I'm not going to see one for another month. You'd be lucky in some cases for a hell of a lot longer than a month. Uh, I'm not sure, but I, I'm concerned about this because if you look at the situation in England when they have gaps. They've had the Premiership Cup and everybody laughed at it and they were still getting 15,000 people turning up at Leicester and they were getting big crowds turning up at Bristol for games like that. They had a bit of an Anglo-Welsh competition a couple of seasons ago because rugby fans, funnily enough, go to watch rugby matches. That's what they want to do. Uh, And you expect them to buy uh, the jerseys and the gear and all the rest of it. They want to go and watch rugby. And they're supporting, they're not supporting individuals, they're supporting the team, they're supporting Connacht or Leinster or Glasgow, whoever it is. And they're not going, well, I'm here to support uh, Jack Carty. That's the only reason I've come along tonight, or I'm here. They're there because they support Connacht. And nine games or 11 games as a season, that is, that's not a lot of rugby. I, and I, I'm just, all, this is all I can see is these gaps. And you're thinking, well, what are you going to fill in uh, with those They can gaps? come watch the clubs and they can let those players go and play with the clubs, the IL teams. 
Yeah, and they, I, was, you know, I, was wait, I was waiting for that because it is the perfect opportunity to do that. Do you scrap the a bit a, of life back into it. Do you scrap the A-teams to do that then? Well, no, I wouldn't do that either, but there's there's plenty of room for this. Like, we've had A-games, um, uh, you know, the Eagles have been playing for the season, but we could breathe a bit more life back into the into the clubs. I mean, they're doing this in New Zealand, and they're the, they're the leaders, uh, and always have been. But they're doing this now, and they can, you know, Jesus, help out the clubs a little bit. Um, you know, club rugby is really it's it's really dying to death. But this this could be a real help for it, and and let the players commit to the clubs, and you know, give them a chance to play with them and help out those clubs. With that though, Niall, would you have to then sort of say, right, we're 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 going to revamp the AIL, we're going to have Division One, and we're going to have three teams in Connacht and three teams in Leinster and three teams in Ulster and three teams in Munster and you have to play for them because realistically the clubs in, in Connacht aren't good enough for those players to go to, in my opinion. I don't think they'll learn very much there. They'll play some rugby but you have to set them up at a higher level where they're playing higher level rugby to keep improving, surely. Well, you know, those players will raise the boats, you know, raise the boats of each club uh, and increase the level that they're playing at. I kind of disagree with that. I think that those players, you know, Connacht themselves need to need to give back to the clubs and to give the clubs this opportunity to get players that will help raise them up. Um, in Corinthians years ago, a Connacht player um, got injured and when he was coming back, he played with the club and we got promoted that year off the back of him been with the club for a while and it helped raise, you know, the level of the club. And as a result, we, you know, the club has stayed up there more or less in that level now ever since. But I just think it wouldn't be great for, for clubs to get this. I mean, Ardy Savea, Dan Carter, all these guys went back and played with their their hometown clubs or, the you know, the clubs that they were assigned to from their provincial unions. And it's apparently was a massive success down there. I just... You know, I think that that can happen here. And you get the opportunity for these guys to train with their clubs. Like, they're with Connacht full-time. So, you know, they're not going to... Rugby seems to be that, you know, once you're in that system, once you're with a team and you're training away with them, that seems to be more important than actually uh, have been playing before. And we see this with the international team, that uh, you don't need to be a first-team player. I always thought you would have had to, but you don't seem to need to be. They seem to want to get guys in and get them ingrained in the system or whatever. So they're already in that Connacht system. So I, I just think it'd be a wonderful opportunity to give back to clubs. Plus the Eagles are going to be there as well. Um, and those games are, you know, are going to get played as well, I'm sure, during these times. I just think that there is a massive opportunity for the union to give back to the people that are, uh, you know, where these players come from originally. Yeah, Andy Friend was talking about that last night. Uh when we interviewed him on Go Away FM, and he, he said he can see a route to that happening. But you then you'd have to let the overseas players play in the AIL. You wouldn't be able to take the non-Irish qualifieds out and say, well, uh, Jared Butler, sorry, you can't play for your club side or um, whoever you're linked with, because then they would, they would have nothing to do. They'd just be sitting around. Oh, yeah, I, and I'd agree with that too. Um, how great would it be for... Um, for any of our AIL clubs, Sligo or Belna or, you know, Corinthians, Galwegians, Buccaneers, to get somebody like that playing, you know, playing with them this weekend or whatever, you know, and uh, to have, you know, ingrained themselves into the club for the, the weeks prior to it, 
see what the clubs are about and then just come out and play. I, t- I just think it's a massive opportunity and uh, I think it would need to be explored. I do think so. We're just looking at I've just seen um, Emmett has just popped something up into our, into our WhatsApp group where Simon Thomas has said some clarification on Champions Cup qualifi- qualifications from Ork. It is in place for two years after which the Irish, Scottish, Welsh and Italian unions will have a unanimous uh, decision to retain it or otherwise it will be likely to become just a state, straight top eight. So the current system where one from each of the Interpro series from each country could just come straight into a top eight uh, in two years' time. That's that's interesting because that makes it fairer, doesn't it? It does make it fairer. That, that's changed. Um, the problem is when it's four Irish and four South African, the Welsh and the Scottish and the Italians won't be very happy. Um, well, it'll force them to raise the standard. Sometimes I think yes, you need to yeah. do that. Sometimes I think you need to force things. Like I know Benetton got a heck of a slagging this year and how come they're in the Champions, they're, they're in the Rainbow Cup final. But if you go back and look at it, they got slaughtered for not having for for only drawing one game in the in the pro fourteen, but their team was annihilated by the Italian internationals not being available for something like eighty five percent of the games. Then once they got them, they became competitive. If you remember, they were in the quarterfinals of the of the, the pro fourteen two years ago and almost beat Munster. Well, they should have beaten Munster, and, and they should they have beaten Munster. Yes, exactly. So. Won player whose name I've forgotten but I suspect the Benetton fans will never forget him for giving away that stupid penalty absolutely and, uh, but, but uh, the, point, the, other... the point is that they are far more competitive and a full, fully loaded Zebra and Benetton at home are way more difficult opponents than people give them credit for and that this idea that Connacht are oh my god poor Connacht they have to play this. fine it's good for us it makes us play better our guys raised their game for the Interpros anyway the question is can they make sure they keep raising the game for the other game but you know it's not just this simple idea of oh well the Scots and Italians get off Glasgow are going to re-. they're not I, I disagree hold on Ellen you, you got you got that um, a little bit wrong oh okay it's in place for two years of qualification, after which the Welsh, Scottish and Italian unions will have to be unanimous in their decision to retain it. To retain it, sorry, misread it. Otherwise, it will likely become straight top eight. Yeah. So it just means one of the unions has to uh, go against it, and then it will become straight top eight. Right. Fair enough. Well, that'll be. But at least it's there. At least well, that would option. be a fu- that, that that would be a fun meeting to be at. <laughs> well, you know, Connacht are just after getting equal representation on their few boards, so um, you know, maybe they might put their case forward for that. Excellent, excellent. Well, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's, 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 but it just goes to show that this is, you know, as you say, William. Nobody knew this was coming. Nobody, there was nothing in, in the couple of podcasts I listened to on a Monday night. Nobody mentioned anything like this or even a, a whisper of it. I know it would have been embargoed, but you would have had some sort of whisper about the possibility something was going to be announced. But it hasn't. And, and straight away, here we are, what, five or six hours after the, the announcement, and there's already talks of a change about how qualification comes on. Plus, plus, we're talking about South African teams playing in European rugby. Is That hasn't been finalized yet. <laughs> it's not no, guaranteed. No, I, I, it, has, it hasn't, but I think EPCR as an organisation are very open to it. Hmm. I don't think Simon Halliday and the, the people at the top have a problem. Hmm. Uh, my guess, I'm only surmising this, is I suspect the French teams are the ones that have the or the French union 
I don't think it's a problem for us and I don't think it's a problem for England. They would actually look on this as maybe an opportunity to go and do a bit of warm weather training down in December. Their fans would think Sale are playing in Cape Town on the 18th of December. Let them at it. Um, and we'll stay on for another week and we'll have our Christmas break. I'm just thinking the yeah, way yeah. I would be thinking. Yeah, yeah. But in France, pick up, a, pick a, up a test match down there because rugby fans tend to be cricket fans for the most part from that part of the world, and there's bound to be a test match on down there somewhere too. So there, there is, and it's cheap to get in, and it's sunny and it's warm. But it's still a question mark if you go from playing in three degrees in Toulouse the previous Saturday, and now you're going to be dumped down at altitude in. Johannesburg when it's 26 degrees and the humidity is like sitting in a, a sauna mm. that that is an issue and it's just the scale of you've got to move down there you got to get back do you want to play the South African teams are going to be gearing up to play at Christmas and they're going to also it has to be said be playing during these windows because that's when they're going to play their derby games they're supposed to get Christmas off from what I can see, uh, because of the so that's, that's peak summer, yeah, it's peak summer down there, isn't it? <laughs> it? It is. So it's, I'm not sure this is fully, but it, look, I think it. they must be very close to resolving this issue. Um, and it's it will add to the interest in Europe, but it's, it, it's slightly odd. And I think French teams just look on away matches slightly differently. Their fans don't travel in huge numbers. They won't even travel 100 kilometres down the road to watch a game. Um, but, and I've been told that in French, in France <laughs> by, by French people from teams. They, they, they're fascinated that Connacht would turn up with maybe 1,000 people at a game in, in Toulouse again. Um, so it's got, that, that's another sea change. Things are... This is change. This is post-COVID land where people have sat down and said, right, things are going to change a bit. I know this was happening before that, but I think the whole COVID situation has given a push to this. Um, and yeah, it's, it's all change. All change is good, I'm not sure, but I think what you'll have to do is you'll have to accept that there are things that will happen that you won't like, but there might be some things that happen that you do like. That's pretty much it. I'd hate to see them in Europe, actually. Um, and for it, I can't see. I don't know. They were just, you know, there was a great competition that got, you know, blasted by um, the English clubs, and then, you know, they got this other one that came in that didn't capture the imagination, the Champions Cup, and then. Um, and I was just thinking, actually, there, uh, when you said EPCR, William, I was just thinking, well, you'd have to take the E out of EPCR. So we're all used to PCR tests now. So uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe it's a maybe it's a foretaste to us to come. I don't know. I wouldn't like it. Let's put it that way. OK, well, just before we move away, because something I almost forgot about before, because uh, uh, we do want to talk uh, about the, the Ireland squad and the under 20 squad. But before we do that, TV deal, it looks like most of the games are going to be on terrestrial TV, which is brilliant news for people who want to be able to watch rugby on terrestrial TV and also how are the likes of RTE and the BBC going to show all of these games? It looks like there might be a lot of online stuff coming down the line too. It is good that it's free to air because in theory that brings people in. Um, I'm well, not it, sure. It certainly, it certainly did in Australia because for the, the, the their 
post-COVID competition they just had where they just played in Australia. The numbers went through the roof, apparently. I think I think linear terrestrial television is changing. Uh, younger people, much younger than me, watch their sport and consume their media in totally different ways. I think a lot of these games will finish up on the player channels um, in terms of BBC iPlayer, RTE Player, uh, TG Cahar Player. Well, I was going to say, hopefully, hopefully TG Cahar aren't left out of it because those guys have been there from the start of this competition and deserve yes. to be kept involved because they're all the way along and they brought a load of innovations right through, for instance, Andy talking to the interviewer as he's going around passing the ball and keeping an eye on what's going on on the pitch they were doing that before anybody else and they bring a lot of innovation and I'd love to see that they're kept on board No terrestrial channel is going to be able to commit to showing eight rugby matches over three days it's it's not even the World Cup doesn't even ask them to do that so there is going to be games that are going to have to go onto an online structure there will probably by the looks of it be an, an international streaming service, which means if you're in New Zealand or Australia or Pakistan or wherever you are and you want to watch the match, if you pay the money, you'll be able to access. And Pro14 already have Pro14.tv, which which is available all over the world. Um, but again, that's the start of a change. Is uh, And I think you'll see a lot of snazzy packaging of highlights that'll be appearing online on, di- on different platforms, I think, uh, shortened versions of games. It's not my way of watching rugby. Um, but it is the next generations. What do you think, Packy? You're, you're slightly younger than both myself and William. What's your, your thoughts on this? Slightly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you're, you're on about the eight games a weekend, William. I'd say, well, you see, it's country-specific, isn't it? So, RT slash TG Carter will just have to show three games a weekend live. And like you're saying, the rugby nuts like yourself and myself and Alan here, like, you know, we'll try and watch the, the other games. Um, so I, 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 I don't know how think, that's, I don't know how they're going to work that out. Do you know what I mean? I, I think my guess would be that they would want to have as much of it available as possible. But any, you know, if if they're going to show the Scarlets against the Ospreys, they're going to put that on the player. That's going to be a specific part of the player. That's, that's uh, what I reckon, yeah. And obviously, if you can cast that to your TV or you have a smart TV. So it's just new and it's just slightly different. Um, whether it makes a huge difference to access for people will be the real asset test for them against what is potential a loss of income. Uh, and that's sports bodies need money to, to, to make these things happen. Um, and I agree with Alan about interactivity. If, if, if All of this generally starts in American sport. And a lot of American, a lot of what goes on in American sport to us looks very false and very driven by trying to whip up an atmosphere that isn't already there because it's entertainment. But what you do get there, uh, and I've sat in on quite a few of these conference scenarios during the, the COVID, because they can't have them face-to-face, they put them online, is the streaming services, the Amazons, the Googles, and all the rest of them, they seem to have a much better fix on what fans want than what the sports, the sports organizations are running behind them. 
And I think it's crucial for all sports. And I, we're talking about rugby here today, but uh, cricket's another one that would mean a lot to me, that they need to get on top of this because they're being dictated to by the streaming services because the streaming services have gone out. A, they've spent the money. And B, fan interactivity is absolutely massive. Now, we all do this to some extent because we could be sitting watching a rugby match and I'm we're on our WhatsApp group and I'm saying to, you, to the WhatsApp group, what the hell is that? Why did that happen? Who's this? Where did he come from? So we're already doing this. We're not quite aware of it, but it can be taken to different levels and the sports bodies seem a bit complacent or a bit shocked about what... The, by the time they get to where one of the streaming services is now. The streaming service has already moved on. Yep. So it's the next 10 years is going to be a massive change on how we consume our sports media. Uh, and I just hope that the organization, starting with uh, the United Rugby Championship organization, and then that drifts down to the individual unions, the IRFU, Welsh Rugby Unions, whoever it is, that they have to be right on top of this because... It's happening very quickly. Yeah. And it, you might want to control it and you might want to have your opinion into it, but you won't be able to stop it. And they've got to make sure that they look after the live fan who goes to the game, but they've also got to look after the post attendance fan. And there's a lot of them. South Africa is really where, the, where you see this. Mm. Uh, but then you see it here because I, I know people that live around me here. They follow Connacht. They they have the jerseys. They have the, the support gear. They follow the team um, on television, Galway Bay FM, listen to our podcast, hopefully. Be nice if a few more of them did. It would be fantastic. But the thing is, the one thing they mightn't do is go to the game because maybe they can't afford to go to the game or the timings don't work uh, or whatever it is, but they're still... They as down. Much, uh, yes, that, that's and the thing the, the, the thing is now, they follow it just as closely as the people that stand on the terrace. So there's a huge market out there and the availability of uh, media uh, product is going to, to, to build into that. But you've also got to make sure that the person who actually goes to the game has as good as an experience as the person who's sitting at home with their can of beer or their cup of coffee or whatever they're doing. Exactly, exactly. Any final thoughts on that, Niall? I don't know. I, 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 I'm just curious to see how it'll all pan out. I, I, I suppose everybody's the same way. That's all. That's all. There's, um, there's going to be, you know, we're, we're going to see really top class players. I don't know if anybody got the chance to watch the um, the South African games. Like, the, they're bringing a different type of rugby to the table, to be honest. And uh, it could be, it could be, it'd be shocking, actually, see it in the flesh. It'd be brilliant to see it in the flesh. Assuming we can see it in the flesh, and you know, <laughs> everyone will see it in the flesh. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll we'll have more on that over the summer as it sort of develops and we get closer to the the new season in September. But before then, we've got Ireland have two games playing against. Japan and the USA. Um, but before we talk about that squad, Niall, we have quite a number of players in the under twenty squad that got picked. Yeah, uh, great. Um, f- quite a good representation, and 
I'd reckon that there's a few more guys that are really, really close to that squad as well in case of any injuries. Um, Just to say, this is the under-20 squad for the Six Nations, the under-26 nation that was brought back to now because of COVID, and it's it's a full full tournament. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, so I, I'm expecting a few injuries throughout the tournament, and I think there's a few guys that didn't make it. Um, Hubert Costello, Hugh Gilvary, um, uh, Jeremy McCormick, uh, who are right close to that squad. and. You know, um, but I'm delighted for the guys that are there. The great young lads put in, put in a lot of effort and played really well for the Eagles as well. You know, yeah. And you're talking about the likes. Of, so if we just list them down, you've got Owen the Butler from Tucked and Corinthians. You've got Dara Murray, who's Buccaneers. You've got Ushin McCormick, Buccaneers. Donica Burns, Sligo. Carl Ford, Corinthians, and Shane Jennings, Buccaneers. These are all. Connacht lads these aren't blow-ins these aren't guys running around they're actually Connacht-born lads playing in Connacht clubs and for Connacht schools and through the Connacht system so we're always hearing about oh Connacht don't they're always bringing fellas in from the outside here's six lads in the Irish under 20 squad from there and, and, and fully deserving of their place yeah, they're a great young lads they were all in that um, under 18 team that won the Interpros there a couple of years ago um, really good players like um, Shane Jennings, um, he's a you know a serious athlete. He was full back in the Galway Miners a couple of years ago. Um, he was man match in the Ireland final. Um, uh, Oshin McCormick is a Banisloe boy as well. He's you know they both came through Garbley. Um, that have had lots of IP given to them there by the likes of uh, Mike Devine would have coached them. And um, so the you know, the and the Morays are are you know they're creating their own dynasty now down there in uh, in Roscommon and, and on the Butler as well coming through on Gaeltacht. Um, you know, great line out thrower, uh, good in the deck. The, the, you know, these lads have a lot to offer. Right? They're they're there on, on on absolutely on merit, you know. And I do like to see a, an Irish squad that's that's Irish squad starting to do this where there's a good more even breakdown I'll call it. Um of of players to from each province, you know. So um, I'll be I'll be I'll be really looking forward to this now. Really looking forward to it. it should be a cracking tournament. It's it's all been played in Cardiff. My only reservation of that is it's on that rancid artificial pitch at the Arms Park. Mm. The whole every game is being played there, but that is to simplify the bubbling. Uh, start against Scotland on next Saturday at two p.m. and uh, r- rolls on from there. Wales next, then England, then Italy, then France. So. And all televised. It's, quite, it's all televised, yeah. And and it's not it's not the same as, as going to the World Championships, which they've missed out on now for two years. Because there's some great trips there. I mean, Argentina a couple of years ago was absolutely fabulous for them. But this is just this is where you want to be. You want players in this and they get to test themselves now against the best and um thoroughly absolutely. looking forward to it. Yeah, it, it's always excellent rugby as well. It's yeah. always excellent. They always back themselves. And they always go for it. You know the that uh, what's the French call it? You know that Joie de Vivre isn't being coached. Jouer, them jouer, at that yeah, Joie, Joie, very much yeah. Joie, Joie, which is brilliant. Okay, so let's we're coming up near the end of the podcast now, and and um, only one thing left to talk about, which is Ireland are playing as I just mentioned earlier on, and we've got six names in there. We've got Caelan Blade, Tom Daly, and Paul Boyle, all possibly going to make Ireland debuts hopefully they will Alton Delan Finley Bealham and Dave Heffernan in the squad um, some chances for guys to, to really lay down markers that they're they're capable of playing at that level yeah absolutely and of course look Paul Boyle the next Ireland under 20s captain which is important um, Tom Daly 
I'll be blunt when he arrived. I think it took him a fair while to settle, but he's become a key player. But the man that stands out is Caelan Blade. He's, he's from Monive. He's Monive through and through. For them to have got to this stage, I, I'm just thrilled for them. I think it's... Uh, for, for a small club, we've been talking about clubs. Uh, they're only a junior club. Uh, but he's there now with a chance. Uh, I was intrigued today that uh, he was being focused on quite heavily by uh, Jerry Thornley, uh, one of the doyens of the Irish Rugby Press Corps, in an article. I hope he seizes the chance. We know how good he is. They must see something. These are important games. Japan, let's face it, they turfed Ireland. It was New Zealand that knocked Ireland out of the last World Cup, but it was really Japan that, that stopped the whole wagon train. Mm. Uh, they haven't played a game since the World Cup, but they're already into five weeks of camp. They have a game against the Lions the week before in Murrayfield. Then they're coming to Dublin. They are going to be a hell of a challenge. Uh, and America are doughty opponents. You would expect Ireland to win that. That's uh, that's the following weekend. So these are two vital games. There's only 21 games left to the next World Cup for Ireland. If you discount the warm-up games that they play the month before, which are awful games, really. They're they're such a mess. But serious, hard internationals. You've ten, you've ten Six Nations games this time next year. We'll be getting ready to go to New Zealand for three games, which is. That concentrates your mind. But this is an opportunity for players to put their hand up. A little bit of a change into the guard coming, I hope. And six Connacht men involved, and I'm delighted for them. Absolutely. And we, we might have an ex-Connacht man playing against us for America. And unfortunately, it doesn't look as though it's going to be AJ McGinty because he did hurt his knee when for sale at the weekend, and they're, they're worried about it. But it could be Luke Carty. So there will be a Car- could be a Carty on the field in Lansdowne Road as I'm going to keep calling it, um, for an Ireland-USA game, but I don't think anyone would have thought it was his first name would be Luke. Yeah, in fairness. Um, that is fair for you to say that. Um, I'd be delighted for him. Uh, uh, nice nice fella. He seemed to... Um, he played well with the Eagles. I thought he was jettisoned a bit early from Connacht, I have to be honest, because um, I thought he played well for the Eagles. Um, he really sold a game in, um, in Corinthians uh, against the Scarlets, actually. Um, was really good there. Played a lot of 12 for the Eagles uh, out of necessity, I'd say, more than design. But um, uh, yeah, I thought he'd have gotten more of a go at 10. But listen, these things happen. I'm delighted he's taking his, his chance. Um, you know, he's uh, he's got to play play rugby with, you know, Matt Gitto, uh DTH, Vander Merva in, in LA and all that for the probably the best named team in rugby. Well, I have no idea what they're called. The Giltinis. <laughs> okay. Well, what a way to finish the podcast. Let's leave it. We started with with the the Orc name. We finished with the Giltinis. So, thanks very much, guys. I think that's that's enough for now. Oh, bye, right, Alan. Or good evening, Alan. I should say it's not nighttime. It looks like nighttime outside, but it's only <laughs> five o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> it is indeed. Thanks, guys. We'll talk again soon. Loose, cut it loose. Break out or nothing changes Sad and confused Don't wait until